Welcome to another episode of Iowa Law Pod. My very special guest today is retired Senator Alan K. Simpson, who much prefers to be called out. His lifetime achievements would fill a book or two, so I'll just give a brief summary for this introduction. Al grew up in Cody in the 1930s. He attended the University of Wyoming for his undergraduate degree and received his law degree there in 1958. Al began practicing law with his father in the late 50s in Cody, and his practice included working as the town attorney. He was a Wyoming State Senator from 1965 through 1977. In 1978, he was elected to the U.S. Senate, where he served three terms before returning to the practice of law in Cody. Al is still active in politics and maintains his law practice in his 90s. He is a remarkable man. Today, you will have a chance to hear some lessons and stories from his law career, which has spanned over six decades. Today's episode was recorded in the Simpson home in Cody, Wyoming, where Al and his wife Ann had me as their guest. It was a wonderful experience for me and I was made to feel very much at home. I was even treated to lunch that included sandwiches made with delicious homemade bread. So rather than try and edit this into a studio session, you'll hear Anne in the background checking on us, preparing lunch in the kitchen, some phone calls and other background noises, all of which are just part of the daily going-ons at the Simpson house. Al is one of the most genuine and interesting and funny people I've ever met, and I hope you enjoy listening to this podcast as much as I enjoyed recording it. Senator Simpson, uh, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. I'm looking forward to talking to you. Well, I admire what you're doing. Uh, you can chronicle uh, the the reminiscence of an old fart in the law. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's the goal. So when I finish my CLE, and I'm sure you, you can, you're going to give me a couple of points here, uh, I will have been practicing law for 65 years in Wyoming which is a long time. And uh, so uh, I was attracted to the law uh, by a grandfather and a father. And uh, and uh, they were tough characters. My uh, grandfather, uh, uh, William L. Simpson, who is the name of William L. Simpson, the judge here, uh, was... Uh, uh, he uh, he he was he lived in Matitsi. Uh He was a cripple. Uh, he had polio when he was a kid, and he was called Broken Ass Bill, which was not really something he was cherished. Uh, and he was hostile and uh, ringy, and he drank a lot of booze, and uh, he lost uh, um, their home three or four times in poker games and so on. He was involved with the Ken Sleep murder case. He was a special prosecutor. He knew which Cassidy. And he got ringing with the, with the banker in Matisse. He was a Democrat. And he said, you know, you bounced my checks over. And the, and the Hayes was the banker. He said, you know, uh, we don't really like Democrats in Park County. And, and you know, you might move on. And he said, you know, don't do that again. If you do something bad happened to you, well, so he did it again. And so my grandfather went into the bank and with a 45 just shot his ear off. <laughs> so then he moved to Cody. <laughs> when, they, when they left Matisse, that's when my father came over here from Matisse. He went to the first grade in Matisse. And then uh, my grandfather in the summer of... Mm, 20, 
anyway, uh, he was a tough, tough guy. He, and he, 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 he was, uh, he was a self-taught guy. Uh, and he, uh, he, uh, he had a, uh, this penchant for, for sensitivity to his crippling aspects. And, uh, so anyway, in the August of 23, he had lost a case for a guy, and the guy came up behind him and hit him in the back of the head. Wow. And damn near knocked his eye out, as some said they did. So he went right down to the home of Dr. Frances Lane, who lived with her woman companion. Uh, everybody knew that, and they were longtime friends. And she and he said, "I I want to I'm going to take your gun. I want I want your gun your gun, Francis, who was a great friend of my grandmother." She said, "He said, no, you can't have it. You've been you've been drinking." And he said, "Well, I know where it is." And he took it and he took it back downtown and he got in a scuffle with this guy and and shot him. Wow. And uh, so uh, the guy died over in in. Uh, uh, Powell, and uh, the brand new uh, prosecuting attorney here was Ernest J. Goffert. You could pick up that. And uh, so he was charged him with first degree murder, my grandfather. And uh, and uh, it, there's a gap in, in Pop's uh, itinerary because he was at Harvard Law School. Uh, he had been, he'd, some, he'd met somebody at Valley Ranch when he was a, a little uh, cabin boy. He said, you know, if you come to Harvard, uh, we'll have a brass band and we'll be at, meet you at the station. And they had a kazoo, you know, and all that stuff. But anyway, uh, so dad dropped out of Harvard. He said he, he had to. He said one of his test, tests was a 37. And he said that they didn't go any lower. <laughs> That's pretty low. <laughs> yeah. So he he came back to help his his father, as did many other lawyers around Wyoming, who, because Bill Simpson was very well regarded. He was a tough cookie. So they took the case over to Basin, and the jury came in eight to four for acquittal. And uh, the judge... Okay, just I'm said, gonna go run some errands. You can. Okay, honey. Okay, now who is? What is your? What is this for? What? I'm asking Justin. This what? is for a podcast. <coughs> a podcast. Mm -hmm. And it's for lawyers to get education credit. Okay. Credit, Anna. Oh. Anyway. Um, so the judge dismissed the case. You don't just dismiss a case on a murder. And he said, they're never going to convict Billy Simpson of anything in this state. The guy that came up, you know, who names are in the record of Enderline and other people, came up to help Bill Simpson beat the, beat the rap that, that the guy that abused him, and he responded. So anyway, uh, uh, then he went. Then he left and went to Jackson after that, and he died over there. And uh, and uh, he was 
still the living example of uh, he, he started a thing. My dad ran for the U.S. Senate in '40, and my grandfather said he started a thing called Democrats for Simpson, which didn't really work out, and dad got hammered flat. He died a month later of a broken heart, uh, the grandfather. So we went over to Jackson, and Dad closed up the practice, and I watched him do that. And so it was it was an attractive thing. And then I went to law school, and and uh, boy, I was uh, hazardous. I think it was uh, Harry Truman said, "The world is run by C students." I like that, and I I like that because I studied hard with guys who were brilliant. You know, Sunday afternoon, and they got all A's. And then I got a D. <laughs> and the dean was a tough old birdie. He was always scratching his head, talking, you know, like out the side of his mouth. He said, uh, Alan, I think that you ought to look at a, a different line of work. Uh, I said, look, I studied with these guys. They get A's, and I get a D. What the hell was that? Well, I said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to get a law degree if I have to go to Panhandle A&M to get it. So it won't bother me. He said, I don't believe I talk like that. I wonder we were talking to the dean. And I said, well, I think I am talking to the dean. And uh, I think I got a B in the second year. And the rest of them were all C's. <laughs> I was just hanging by my thumbs. There was a guy named George Rudolph. He was, he was a brilliant tax lawyer. I didn't know. I, I never could figure out my social security number. And and he uh, came in at the senior year where I where if I if I'd had a D or a C plus or so or a C minus, I'm done. And uh, he said, I was just looking at the grades. He had a squint. He looked he was out in the sun most of the time. He said he said, Simpson, I just looked at your paper. He said, I I think I'm going to have to give you a C. And I said, a C? I said, terrific. <laughs> he, he looked at the other members of the class. He said, it was a very strange response. I said, well, it was. And uh, so there were five of us. In, there were 18 in our class. And five of them were cum laude. And the other the other bottom feeders were Mike Sfeeler, who was the one dear friend, and myself, and you know, about it. But we, we did find out about the bar exam later, and we, we did better than they did. We, we cabbaged, we found out where it was, the mimeograph sheets or something, I can't remember. <laughs> so we proved up. So anyway, I just practiced a lot, came back with dad. Um, all of us passed the bar, the bar. 18 of us, and uh, we, we uh, I started to practice with Dad, Simpson and Simpson, and uh, and then uh, there was a wonderful, brilliant lawyer over at Husky who was the counsel for Husky Oil Company, Charles G. Kepler. You'll find his name in the records down there. He's a, he was a very gracious benefactor, and he. Uh, uh, he he came to me one night. He said, uh, I, "I think we ought to start it. Maybe 
have a law practice. Your dad's running for stuff all the time. He said, and I noticed that your light is on at night when I go home. I said, yeah, it is. I'm trying to figure out how to draft a warranty deed. Uh, and he said, well, why don't we join up? And he, he, he graduated magna cum laude from Laramie, served in the army, wounded in battle in combat uh, in Germany, and then took a doctor of laws at Michigan with magna cum laude. Wow. Doctor of laws, that's a big one. So it was like practicing with a with a with a law professor. I'd go to to his office, say, "What the, what the shit is this?" <laughs> he said, "Alan, that's that's the doctrine of Ron Boy." I said, "I've never heard of it." He said, "Nobody else has either." And uh, so we practiced law for about eighteen years and uh, did a lot of wonderful stuff. And and Dad went on to the U.S. Senate uh, and governor. And uh, so then I got out of the Senate, and and uh, here came Bill Simpson and Mike Berg, who had uh, tried some heavy lawsuits, gas explosions and stuff like that, and uh, gotten some big judgments uh, in Wyoming in the federal court or the state. So they said, well, why don't you come into the firm? Well, I said, well, my skills are not honed after 18 years of beating the brains out in the U.S. Senate, but, and you couldn't practice law when you were in that. And uh, so I uh, joined the firm and, uh, and, uh, and do limited work, uh, but keep up, keep, keep, keep up my CLE so that, so that they'll pay me. I like that. And I loved it too. And, uh, so the boys came in and the firm, Kep didn't come in. He, he just said, I've done enough in life. He died at the age of 90. He was terribly confused and he was kind of off range. And they found him in a car, you know, in a ditch. He just, he, he was lost and disoriented. Wonderful guy. So anyway, uh, there were lots of cases in there. There was lots of stuff, but you can you can you can identify that I have uh, trampled upon your prerogatives. No worries. Uh, but I was curious what Cody was like when you were a small child, and whether you lived in town or kind of lived in a rural setting. Well, Cody was a town of about. Two or three thousand, two twenty-five hundred people. I was born in thirty-one, uh, and uh, uh, and then uh, the war came, and when I was ten, and we all charted the course of the war on our on our uh, walls in our bedroom and twelve guards at Adolf Hitler and Mussolini and Tojo. I ran into a guy just my age long after that. I said, you were in the war my, my age? And what, who did you throw darts at? He said, Churchill, <laughs> <laughs> Roosevelt, Stalin. Anyway, uh, 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 
I just finished a, a service, uh, of an obituary, a, a eulogy of Norman Manella, who was a congressman from San Jose, who I met at the Boy Scout camp. He was behind barbed wire, uh, searchlights aimed inside, soldiers with rifles, barbed wire. And our scout leader took us out there and said, these are Boy Scouts, these are American citizens. You know, what the hell? What the... And so he was very enlightened. And so we then we served together in Congress. As I say, it was a, it was a tough bowl uh, to, to do that uh, a week ago. And, uh, but uh, he died and uh, enough of that. But uh, we, we served together on the Board of Regents of the Smithsonian and we, we worked on the reparations, uh, you know, where the, they were giving $10,000 to each incarcerated uh, Japanese American and some of them refused it, but at least uh, Reagan signed it. And uh, it was a, that was a tough one. You know, my colleague in the Senate said, you know, who's next? Blacks, Indians, Na Native Americans? Who do we, who do we, who's the, who's the grieved ones? I said, well, that may tr be true, but, but I was there and you weren't there. And if you had seen where they lived in a tar paper shack in a mess hall and taking a crap right next to the guy with a no, no partition, you know, it's a different game. You ought to go out there. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's quite a memorial. It's a, it's a museum. And they were going to make ground uh, um, next, next month on a Simpson uh, Manila Library and Conference Center. That's fantastic. Raised the money. Anyway, uh, it was it was a vigorous practice, and I was city attorney uh, for about thirteen years. I was on the fire department, the volunteer fire department. We all did that stuff, and uh, did a pro bono work. And uh, but but it was uh, it, you know you just you just left your house and and on a day like this and you never came back until you heard the car honk or something or your mother would call BB guns and God almighty rabbits and arrowhead hunting all over this, 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 even on this hill. So it was, uh, and then dad was practicing along and we, we saw that he enjoyed it. And anyway, I got in with him and then there were some cases, uh, that they were very fascinating. That's what you want to get to, isn't it? Well, I'd, I'd like to hear a little more <coughs> first about just, I'm assuming that being city attorney at that time was an incredibly broad uh, amount of job duties, like handle almost a little bit of everything. Well, yeah. Uh, it was, uh, you know, the, the the J the JPs were were laymen. There was no right, and the, the, one of the JPs, very revered man, was the former sheriff of the of the county, the high sheriff we called him. And I was in a case with Oliver Stedman, who you, you look him up, and I put on my case about somebody who struck somebody else with a shovel when they were to ruin their irrigation ditch or their tore their weir out you know those are lovely things and, and 
And the, the JP, the judge said, I think I'm going to find uh, uh, Mr. Stedman's uh, client guilty of just as you presented that case, uh, Mr. Simpson and, and all of us said, Judge, would it be okay if we put on our case? <laughs> <laughs> and the judge said, I think that would be very perfectly <laughs> And all of her looks over at me like, I said, well, <laughs> and you know, there were, and then there was a town meetings on fluoride, you know, some activist people got together and said the fluoride is poisoning bears in the park, it makes your <laughs> brain deteriorate, and we have it in our Cody water supply. You're the city attorney, what do you got? I said, I'm not the city physician. And God, you, you know, it comes and, and you have to go to those meetings, you know, and, and uh, look wise, you know. Right. And, and uh, then uh, I remember there was an issue came up and about five people came in to bitch to the council. And they said, we're going to take that over under advisement. And next time there were about 25 people. And, uh, and they, and, uh, we're going to take that under advisement again. Last time there were about 200 people showed up. And one of the councilmen said, well, you're the city attorney. Do we have to make a decision with all these people here? I said, yes, it's called democracy. <laughs> and I think you should because next time there'll be 400 people out here. And then they, they went into secret session in the basement of the Mayflower, figuring out how to get rid of me. Oh, wow. <laughs> Didn't like what you were saying. No. I said, you put the heat on you, on us, Al, you know, shit, why do you do that? I said, well, time, there's time. And uh, and then, of course, uh, there were there was those sensitive things that uh, I would, you know, because when you're practicing law in a little town, you know everything. And uh, one time uh, there was this little girl, she was about 10 or 11, and her sister was about 11. And I noticed some bruises on her that were not caused by falling down in her sandbox. Somehow I got her aside, and her parents came for some purpose. I said, uh, What happened to you, dear? She said, Daddy did that. Wow. Well, I said, that's good to know, and we don't want anybody to know, do we? Do we? No, he told me never to say anything. Well, uh, I knew where he worked. I pulled him in, I said, you son of a bitch. I'm gonna pull the chain on you, you're gonna, you're gonna be picking shit with the chickens. I know what you're doing. Well, I was abused when I was a kid. I said, I don't give a shit what you, I've heard that one before. And uh, so uh, uh, he's still here, and uh, and his wife, and I, I asked about the girls, and they're forty five. Oh wow! And they live in they're they're wonderful gals in their forty five or fifty. So I, I was kind of a judge and jury, and uh, and then there was a there was a Spanish teacher that. Uh, they apparently some of the chosen ones decided to 
scare him one night. So he was out walking down by somewhere and they took a beer bottle and headed for him, you know, with a broken beer bottle. You spick, you spick son of a bitch. We're going to cut your nuts out of whether the salad fork or whatever. And uh, they were all members of the community. They were the sons of doctors and uh, not lawyers, but uh, and they were just a bunch of, you know, hot shots. So I, uh, I said, you know, you have to testify exactly what they said to you. They said I, it was so foul, so foul. I said I don't give a shit how how, how foul it was because I'm going to have all their parents there. Oh. They're all they're all there to see about sweet old Jimmy, and he was going to go to West Point, you know, and all this shit. And so I had all the all the parents, and they were all smiling. And I said, oh, "Can you describe?" You know, I didn't have to lead him anywhere, but I said, "I want to know your under oath. You what? What did what did they say to you? Or who said that?" Well, this one said that. Uh, that one said that about you, filthy spick. And this and these parents were just their bus folks squished down. I said, isn't that interesting? Are are you parents aware of how your little darlings have handled this guy? Oh boy, shit. Then they were after me for it then. That's then unreal. <laughs> But uh, those were fun things, you know, uh, and, uh, and you can make enemies that way. But then one night, one day, there was a, a black gentleman. He went to the, he went to the Bud's drive-in. He, 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 he was a surveyor or something this summer. There weren't a lot of people by here. And uh, he had a beer, and he, the gal came out and her, shorts with her boobs hanging out, you know, of, of her underwear, what were they called, the hooters they call them. Right. Uh, I believe I've seen those. I was just disgusted when I saw some of that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, he said, you're looking, you're a very attractive young lady. She went home and told her parents that a nigger had, uh, said something crude to her. So uh, before, uh, before I could try that one or see what they were charging him with, I, I got him into the, the office. Uh, I said, you know, what'd you, what'd you do? He said, Jesus, this is terrible. I, I'm a graduate of, I don't know, Michigan State. They had a beer and I, this gal, and she was, provocative and I said you're looking very attractive and uh, I said well uh, it, it won't go well for you here even if you get a you know whatever method but I said I got a deal for you get your ass out of town <laughs> here's a hundred bucks and hit the road because this is not exactly, the, this is not compassion time, you know, with a young white gal out there. So I, I did all those lovely things. I was, uh, uh, and it didn't bother me at all. Incest, rape, affray, that was another. They charged this guy with affray. I said, what, what the shit's affray? 
Have you tried that? Well, AFRA is a disgusting, uh, alarming situation that is alarming to the peace of, of the people who are in the area, something they've been offended. Well, I said, what did this guy do? Well, he, he'd been to the rodeo and he'd had a few drinks and then he got out to Cassie's supper club and he, he'd seen the, chew, he saw he chew the air off of the, the one of the, of the, of the, uh, this livestock. So he got down and, and pulled this guy down and started to chew his ear off. I said, well, that is Afray. We can't have that. <laughs> For sure. Or we know what it is. <laughs> when, when we see it, it's offensive to other people who are standing around watching the crude behavior. You ever hear of it? I've never heard Af of it, but I like that. Look it up. Afray. Terrible. So, so I did a lot of that. And then we'd, uh, uh, and then there was, there were a lot of cases. So there was an old gentleman from Basin. His name was uh, C.A. Zering. He was 95. And we all went over to Basin at the Eagles Club over at, uh, in Basin. And, and by the way, that, the Eagles Club has, has fallen apart from the building oh, and wow. collapsed. Uh, so there's not much of an Eagles Club over there. But there were about 150 of us in there. And he got a wonderful wit. I'll never forget it. And he said, well, he said, I tell you, I'm 95, I'm still practicing law. But uh, I want to tell you, when I was young, I lost a lot of cases should have won. Then I got older and won a lot of cases I should have lost. But he said, my Lord, justice was served. I like that. <laughs> I never forgot that. And uh, so that was his summary. And uh, then there was a very famous lawyer from Wyoming, Thurgood Marshall. Certainly. Uh, not not Thurgood Marshall, uh, uh, Thurmond Arnold. Okay. You can look him up. Uh, his firm is still in Washington, Arnold and Porter. Okay. And he had a wicked sense of humor. And we were, you know, I'm young. I'm listening to these old guys. And he got, he got up and with this wonderful wit and said that somebody had... Uh, he said uh, he'd gone on a trial with the Pullman Company. He had the same number as the Pullman Company, so they wouldn't change the number. So he, he'd call the Pullman Company and say, don't ride in the Pullman cars. They've collapsed. A lot of times the brakes fail on the Pullman cars, and you can be thrown together, and you could probably lose your life. <laughs> and they call him, and they say, you can't do that. He said, well, change the goddamn phone number then. <laughs> <laughs> And then one guy called and said, I'm, I tell you, Mr. Arnold, you're going to, we're going to destroy your wife's reputation for credit. He said, that's what I've been trying to do all my life. So he, he was a, he was a whole books of him. He was a, a trust buster under Roosevelt. And then, you know, the, but then you learn from the new ones and, and, and you, you had, I had a judge that was very compassionate, you know, and 
he didn't know what I was doing. Uh, and you'd go to court and somebody would file a motion. You didn't, you had to look it up. You know, you didn't know what, what an eliminate was. We didn't know what those were. And uh, so he'd listen that I was city attorney and, and have these other guys picking on me, motions, motion. Uh, and the judge said uh, to one of them, the old senior, he said, may I come into chambers, uh, Mr. Simpson and Mr. Fitzstevens and Mr. Stedman. Uh, what is it that you're trying to elicit from uh, this uh, brand new uh, lawyer in our midst? Well, we just thought we'd teach him a few tricks. And Spangler said, well, I tell you, why don't you write a book and spare me all this shit? <laughs> <laughs> you could write a book on how to tease junior lawyers <laughs> with motions that are arcane and, and have no bearing on anything, just so you can get old Simpson tied in a knot. Well, God, that was the best thing that ever happened, you know. And how many judges do that, you know? That's wonderful. And uh, so he died of cancer. I wrote him a beautiful letter. I said, you changed my life. Anyway, uh, so when Kemp came in, uh, and Dad, you know, was going to run for governor. And uh, so Kemp and I, we just went on. And... Uh, there were some, there were some amazing, you know, Jerry Spence is a very dear friend of mine. There is no way to explain his profanity because it's not obscenity, it's profanity. There's a difference. Absolutely. And uh, so uh, he, uh, he, he, which I just talked to him the other day, he's gonna leave a lot of his stuff to the university. Wonderful. How you doing, Jerry? Can't walk. So uh, when he was a when he was a young attorney over in Fremont County, there was a guy. This was one of those cases you never forget. Uh, and my dad was practicing then, and he knew a dear old friend who'd been in the legislature with him over in Fremont County who was faced with the horror of moose, moose deprivation in his feedlots, not the feedlots, but hay. hay. Okay. Uh, you may not be aware that a moose will urinate or defecate in a haystack and no one will ever eat it. I did of, not know that. Of the cow, of the cow, of the quadruped. So he was just, and he just, and they wouldn't, they bring firecrackers out and run them off. So he called the game and fish and he said, why don't you show up on the hill outside of Dubois there out of my ranch uh, about three o'clock on the afternoon of Friday and, and see something you've never seen before. <laughs> <laughs> the game and fish guys came and the attorney and he pulled out a, 30 odd sick bolt axe and kills four of these folks <laughs> from long range. He said, I've done pretty well. Well, he said, You son of a bitch. This is, this is, this, you're, you're, you're going to go to, you're going to the clink. So Spence handled it 
as young attorney, and Dad, I was with Dad. He was senior, and of course the JP turned it all over. He said, "We're going to find you guilty for whatever, whatever." Then it went to the district court, and the district judge was uh, Nicholas, one of the Nicholas, okay. the father, and uh, he 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 didn't waste any time on that. That's just uh, wanton destruction of wildlife. Sure. And went to the Supreme Court, and and the 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 the, the ancient one of all time was the Chief Justice. His name was Car. Bloom, Fred Bloom, there's okay. lots of his cases. And he's, he has kept an eye to brief the case of, of the castle doctrine, that you could protect the person from the castle. Sure. And that there, surely the way to protect your livelihood with your cattle operation. And uh, God all kept an eye, prepared that thing. And the old man was, went down and argued it and, no bloom came in. It's 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 right there on the on the book, right? Spence just grabbed a brick. He said, "How did you do that?" He said, "The castle doctrine, you know, protecting a man's castle, feeding his that's what he he his cows eat the hay, and then he sells his cows." Anyway, uh, Jerry and I never got over that. But then Jerry and I tried cases together. Oh wow! Uh, we never lost any. We did about six, and uh, he'd join me on so I'd pull him in, and and then there was cases in the county or outside the county, and he'd say, uh, "I think I'm. Uh, how much am I paying you for my assistance?" I said, "I don't know. We we figured that out." But and so one day, the 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 defense guy from Casper. Who just didn't like Spence at all? He said, "Judge, I, I recommend the request that we have a recess here. It's been a rather combative time, and I just jabbed Jerry." And the judge said, "I'll decide when we have a recess. Just sit down, please." And Spence turned to me. He said, "Add a, add a thousand bucks." You're very nice <laughs> for, for that little tip. <laughs> anyway, we had those were consists. He could, he could, he could, he could put a human being, eighteen years old, together in front of a jury for on a wrongful death that would make the jury just cry. And man, I tell you, so one time. Uh, I came home to Ann and I said, I said, this guy Spence is driving me crazy. He just sweet talks these little old ladies that he picks out of the jury and gives them a bunch of horseshit and then romances and on and on and on. And I finished this description and Ann said, oh, like you do. And I said, I don't want to hear that at all. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, anyway, those were fun times, and then there were tragic times. And, and, uh, uh, but he could, he was, he was, he was, and, and then he, we did some shticks together before the bar convention. 
That had to be right. Were you one of those that where Simpson and Fence went at each other? Unfortunately, I have not been part of that, but I'd love well, to see it. He got he did the one about the woman that spilled hot coffee on her crotch sure. at, at McDonald's. And I said, uh, Jerry, how, how tough was that to prove uh, that uh, that hot coffee is not good for genitalia uh, or anything else? Uh, or anything? He said, you, you smart ass. The pain is the pain. And then the statistics of this and that. And, and, and he, he was, his eyes were twinkling. He was there on those phones too. And he said, uh, I said, you know, Jerry, I just was amazed at your, at the, your the growth and the depth of your knowledge on these statistics. And, and you know, if you, if, if you torture statistics long enough, eventually they'll confess. And he went, oh God, he said, I have to write that down. Jesus, <laughs> he kept, he didn't write it all down. So people, we were tired of us. We were just full of shit, which was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, anyway, we walked into a serious forum that I was involved in. It had nothing to do with law practice. He walked right forward to the uh, to the stage in the middle of the proceedings and kissed me on the top of the forum. <laughs> <laughs> and people were. <laughs> what? I said, it was Mr. Spence. Uh, he was just in town for a while and he was showing fealty and gratitude for my services. That's priceless. Anyway, but there was one that got all tangled up because I was reading about Oedipus and, and psychology. There was a, a man, he's still living. He killed a, a, a woman in the kitchen of a, of a facility uh, in Wyoming. I want to get too close because he, sure. he's out there and he's been released. And uh, his uh, uh, he was a, he was all American of everything here in Cody High. And his parents were you know high and. And he just turned and with a butcher knife just sliced right through her heart. And she, the, the impact of it all, she broke an ankle as she fell to the floor. Oh, that's horrible. Horrible. So they asked me to represent him. Oh, wow. And I got, I got a, I got a, I got a senior guy out of Cheyenne, George Guy and Walt Phelan. They were, and it was tried in Wheatland for a week. And but but I went to the jail, uh, that uh, in in Wheatland. I lived in Wheatland for a week at a Hilton Motel. And uh, uh, he, I, I he was a super athlete, and uh, the sheriff was right outside the door, and he put me in the cell with him. I said, well, pal, what, what happened here? Well, uh, you know, he had been, he had been one of the people from this University of Wyoming 
that had been asked to go up and and find the debris and the body parts of the United Airlines plane that hit, and it, it, it twisted his life. Oh wow! It, it changed it, and 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 he had guys in law school who, who you would know and I would know. Now, if you feel comfortable there, you can lean back before you fall asleep. Oh, I'm good. I'm not falling asleep. <laughs> and, uh, so he said, you know, uh, Al, she was the personification of evil. She was, she had horns. She was, she was the devil incarnate, even, even to, with a tail. I said, well, that's, and, and, and who, who were you in that role? He said, I was Jesus. And I said, well, that's interesting. So we spent about an hour with him and, uh, I said, you know, uh, if you weren't Jesus or, or you're not Jesus, what have you done in this situation? Oh, he said, if I'm not Jesus, I've killed an old lady. That's frightening. Huh? That's truly frightening. And so I went from there proven that he was insane at the time of the commission of the offense, which is tough to do, but but uh, anyway, uh, he, he, he then was, he went into therapy out of state, and then they called me six or eight years later, uh, Mr. Simpson, you represented Mr. So-and-so, and uh, he's being released. Uh, to the public. Well, I said, and we'd like to have you there. The psychiatrists are there, and the, I said, well, I'll, I'll be there. And, uh, you know, it was, you know, it was a lot of mumbo jumbo shit, you know, from the shrinks, and yeah, I've been through all those, you know, this and this and this. And I said at the end, I said, well, I said, uh, and he was in there. I said, what's to assure that you never do this again? Oh, Simpson, you have ruined 650 hours of therapy. You, you've created a monstrous, you know, and they're nailing me. I said, seems like an important point. Uh, this right. is <laughs> and, and then uh, they released him into the public and, and he had a roommate who never knew a thing about his background, but they kept that from that. That's unreal. But then he he married again. Uh, he'd never been married before. Uh, and he married. And uh, one morning he got up and chopped her into pieces and tacked her on the wall of, of the bedroom. That's and, surreal. And went back into prison for quote the rest of his life. But he's he, he can't come to Wyoming because he has no relatives here. Uh, but uh, he's out there. That is not comforting at all. And uh, I was I'd come home and study, you know he 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 related how his mother had a birthday party for him and and nobody came, never forgot that. And he had a 
he went fishing with his dad and he was clumsy and he dropped the rod and the reel in the lake and his father just abused the shit out of him. So he had these things that were just clawing at him, you know, uh, plus the disaster of body parts up on the mountains. And, and people who knew him saw the changes in him, but in those days you you, you couldn't you couldn't identify. Anyway, that was a and Anne finally said, you know, just quit reading about the shrinks and the Oedipus and the mother complex and and just get back to the family, I see, you know. It was a just monstrous stuff. So those are those those are draining things, and you don't want to you don't like to do murder trials. I, I didn't I didn't do another one. I would participated, but I didn't. You know, and there are certain things you, you, you want to do in the practice of law, and you just think, I'm not going to do that. And uh, anyway, there were some, I had a note of, uh, 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 well, I mentioned Afray. And that that other case with with the uh, with the shooting of the moose was called the Ab Cross case, and it's in the it's in the uh, it's in the record. And then I was uh, I was big in divorce uh, because uh, uh, the the law of the land was that Nevada was six weeks and Wyoming was sixty days. And the grounds were the intolerable indignities, and every other state in the union was a year. That's a big difference. And so people would come to Park County, and you know we'd do a default divorce for two hundred and fifty bucks. You know, kind of a mill down there. Right. I mean, it was five hundred if there was complexity involved. And uh, I did hundreds of divorces. Oh wow! And, uh, and learned so much. That's how I've lived with this beautiful woman for 68 years. Uh, but uh, they would come out here and you could see their addresses, you know, Kemet Square, you know, you were part of the DuPont or Delaware or the Miracle Mile out of Philadelphia near the Barnes Collection, <laughs> these addresses. And, and they'd come and they'd stay for, you know, 60 days, and then, you, and then we had this beautiful, wonderful relationship with the attorneys in the East. Now, we, we've done all this in the Chancery Court. It's all done. It's a property settlement custody agreement. And uh, I think you can just take get your case there and Cody and incite the, the Chancery Court. To oh, wow. Court. And so the work was already done. So, so then... Then we'd, uh, we'd say, now, you've been very helpful, and uh, and you've helped us through the laws of Wyoming and all this stuff. Uh, and uh, so just send us your, your bill. And Kep and I'd say, ah, we'll just, we'll just send you our hours. We've kept our hours carefully, and we had, because we knew they were charging 300 an hour. Oh, wow. Well, we were charging 35. That's unbelievable. Oh, yes, yeah, so we'd say. Just we just send our hours, and you just pay whatever you think is fair. 
<laughs> so $35 an yeah, hour is going right for a part now. The one I'll never forget, and uh, because there were a lot of them that I would forget. This gal was about 19 years old, no children. And somehow the judge, and it was default, and uh, somehow the judge, without breakfast or something, said, do you have anything further to say? Or does your client have anything oh, no. more to say? <laughs> well, I, I didn't know what she was going to say. She said, yeah, judge, and I just tell you, I just hate that son of a bitch. He's just a rotten son of a bitch. That's what he is. More. Well, so the judge says, thank you. And, and uh, thank you. The divorce is granted, and I'm walking down the street right by that little, I know right where it was, where she stopped me, uh, right by the uh, Cody Legacy Museum. And she said, Mr. Simpson, I said, yes, what is it? I can't even remember her name. She said, I still love that son of a bitch. <laughs> And I said, well, I, I'm sure that that's true. And then she was crying, and, and I'm, I didn't have a straw hat on. I remember a pork pie. I was looking very dapper. And she said, you know something, Mr. Simpson? When you ever pretend that you unlove somebody that you once loved, you really, you really fucked yourself all up. What did air went out of my body? Uh, I said, you know, dear, that's the most profound thing that, is, that has ever happened to me, in or out of divorce. Came right home to Anne, and I said, let me tell you what this gal said. Never forgot it's in my head. You know something, Mr. Simpson? If you ever pretend you unlove somebody you once loved, you really fucked yourself all up. I can say that with great emotion. It's profound. And uh, it, it was the touchstone of, of my life. Because you, you can't hate somebody that you gave your body and your soul and and your money and your property and everybody. Those were things. I sent a lot of people to Al-Anon. In fact, uh, you had uh, Al-Anon, they had an uh, alcohol uh, AA meeting, a statewide meeting here, and invited Ann and me. And they don't do, they don't do that. I'd send people to Al-Anon and uh, you know, it's a great thing. And uh, this one woman came home and said, you know, he came home last night and he came in the door and then he shit his pants. I said, oh, I, 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 that, that'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then the next morning he, he said, you didn't clean that all up. And, and uh, so I said, well, I don't think you should. And I think you should go to Al-Anon where you can tell people when they shit their pants <laughs> that you can, that they can get up and clean off their own pants. And, uh, and 
she 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 came back after weeks. She just looked sharp as a tack, you know, just attractive. You you always pray to that when you're 30, 40 years old. You have to, that's a perilous course for and they're they're pouring your heart out to you. You get a little snuggle, a little close, but I'd rush home when that would happen. I figured there's something better at home than this. Anyway, um, uh, she uh, uh, she just said, you know, he did that again, and uh, and uh, and I just let him just sit with the shit all over him. And I said, well, that's good. I didn't know. Anyway, uh, there was so much. Uh, uh, there was uh, child abuse. Uh, there was incest. Uh, there was rape. Uh, I didn't. Yeah, I just I didn't seek those things, but I did them. And uh, uh, I well, I could. They're, they're not worth relating, but uh, but there's a. Uh, there was a strange stereotype that I learned about. I don't think you have to go into it, but I found that I found that rodeo guys, especially if they got a big belt, are, are often abusive to their spouses. Yeah, you know, honey. I'm coming home because I'm on a hunting ship and I slopped and I just won this bolt buckle out there at Cheyenne Frontier Days and we're going to play around and you know, put the kids under the rug and then the fight starts. That's unfair. That's unfair stereotype. But but I did get a lot of people. I can name their. I can name the rodeo stars. Oh wow! Who uh, who were. You know, and I I did send you know that old phrase you know get away from him that that doesn't work forget that one I'd send them to the crisis intervention service where they know how to handle that but some woman came out to me don't tell me that one about get away because they come right back with the flowers and then they beg and scratch on their ass and and they're evil. Well, enough of that. <clears throat> but uh, uh, I did send some. I, I just reached in my own pocket and send them out here to take the kids. Some bitch never going to stop. I didn't know any difference. And it, 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 <clears throat> and then <it>, there <clears throat> there those those mistakes you made. Some old farmer came in from Powell. He said, you know, I got here, Samson. I, I want to collect on it. I think it's, it's a seed note, seed note. I said, oh, it sounds like a promissory note, but it isn't a lot different. He came back a few more weeks and he said, I lost my ass on this, but for your advice, this is a seed note. I said, well, I, what's it? I didn't say what's the difference between a note. He said, I just maybe thought you want to maybe correct it. Well, I said, I'm not, not only thought, but I said, here it is. I said, that's a terrible mistake. And, you know, I learned a lot about seed knots. I suppose 
because you're representing Powell people, and they 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 know what seed notes are. I didn't, but you know, I would make it right. Uh, there were some people that say, you know, I think you're screwing me. I said, well, what did what did you think I should charge? Well, I don't know. It seemed like a couple hundred bucks. Well, I said, you know, you know, it, you. I, of course, you were. I was in politics. I didn't want to piss anybody off. You know, right. it was part of that. And uh, so uh, there was some perilous. Uh, you know, make a mistake. Uh, uh, one guy went to the grave. Uh, 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 he, he convinced me to, to 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 notarize something. I said, well, "Where is the notary?" Well, he said, "That's me. He said, I'm an alias." I said, "You know, fuck that stuff." I'm not <laughs> and then he's dead, and I. I was greatly relaxed. <laughs> I'm sure when when he perished, I said to him, "He's gone," and uh, with him went one of my biggest mistakes. Anyway, enough of that. I think I oh, I think I've well, uh, oh, you've asked about. Uh, you didn't think I was going to get this. Uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Hmm. Read my own writing. Anywho, uh, there were so many curious things and you, you you learn you learn a lot about human beings, especially if you ignore what you're always taught in law school, never get emotionally involved with your client. I'm not talking about jumping in the sack with them. I'm saying if I can't get emotionally attached to my client, then I'm, I'm not worth a shit. I agree. So uh, they would be there and, and, uh, and, uh, and oftentimes, especially in divorce, uh, I would never say a word, and I timed myself once because this person was right in front of me. I never said a word for 32 minutes. Wow, it's impressive. And, and in that process, she had solved all of her problems it, because she came from a situation where nobody gave a shit. She'd bend over to turn the television and say, you know, your ass is big as your mother's. You got to... <laughs> Yeah, and and how about the shit on your shorts down the in the bathroom, you big turd, you know? And so they sort that stuff out, and or they tore my he tore my pants. I gave him at Christmas time. We were out there messing around in the hay field. I said, "Well, that's difficult." And then there, <laughs> there was one where where the they both sat there in the court and said, and the judge said, well, why don't you pick first? We'll flip a coin. Well, I'll take the the chair. I, 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 I That's my favorite chair. The second one, figure out who holds the other one. <laughs> and the judge <laughs> kept a list in front of him. He said, I'm going to just reverse these. <laughs> you keep... 
you keep that crap. <laughs> the other council, I thought that that's Solomon like. I like it because they were just after each other because they're never going to tell each other anything that's comforting to them. They're breaking the beam bars in the cabinets. It's two in the morning. I said, "What am I supposed to do about that?" Well, they're they're priceless birds, right? Up. They love that. They're made of ceramic. Anyway, I said, "I can't, I can't uh, come over there and help you." And uh, but just know that they're never going to say anything kind to you. You're going to take the children away from me, prove that you're a whore, and uh, that you're you pussied around all over the countryside and. And, and you're going to have to take that and you must strengthen yourself uh, because that's 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 the cruelty that goes with this stuff. But anyway, it was, uh, you can ask anything you want. Uh, those are some of the, some of the cases. Uh, how, hard, how hard was the decision to quit your law practice and run for, or to, you know, run for U.S. Senate knowing that you would no longer practice law if you won? Well, I'd gone to the state legislature and kept, you know, I'd be gone for 40 days and uh, kept would say, you know, well, uh, I, you know, I, I miss you. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I miss your billables. <laughs> and, uh, and I'd say, well, I just, I give, I'd give him my per diem and I lived in a house with somebody, somebody who'd gone to uh, Arizona, I stay in their house and, and bring home child from from these receptions. I was great at that. And uh, so he, he called one day, he was pissed off. He said, I God, we're gonna break this up. This is, you know, I can't do this. So well, let me let me get home and, and we'll we'll resolve it. And he did. It was so fair, but uh, he uh, there were there were just times uh, well, when I knew I was going to run for the Senate, uh, I just began to wind it down. And uh, he was still here. Kep was still there. And and uh, and uh, I, I didn't feel any remorse because I was in the campaign. I went all over all over the state. There were 88 municipalities. And I went to all of them. There was this out in the hallway that pin board where I went. So I didn't, uh, but then you couldn't, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't practice before with the Senate ruled. So I, I didn't. But uh, Ted Kennedy and I did a talk show called Face Off. I remember. And it was on mutual radio five days a week, two minutes a crack, you know, and he I'd go back to the floor and he'd say, God, you bastard, you stuck it in. Well, I said, you deserved it. <laughs> he said, and then I'd say, God, you didn't have to bring that up. <laughs> anyway, we were, we were getting 40,000 bucks a year, the two of us. Boy, that ended. <laughs> uh, Jake Garn was making a 2004. That's when you could make a little honorarium, and I'd give mine to the university. Uh, and... Uh, so uh, anyway, uh, that ended, and so Anne went to work as a realtor to put the kids in school. Okay. Colin went down to Colorado College. He says there's too many Simpsons at the university. 
<laughs> and Susie was down there. She went down to see her big brother. And Bill went to the university, and they both went to law school there. But uh, it was, uh, you, you, you don't know what, you, you really don't have any idea what the cost of, of what it is. And you get a, you get a, you, the salary was a hundred, nobody's going to complain about it. When I started, it was 106000 a year. Well, who's going to, you're going to come home and tell the town meeting. No, no, not this town. <laughs> you ain't gonna make that. And then it went up to 160, 160. I think it was about 160. So anyway, but there was nobody listening. There's no violin music out there for that. But a lot of people cut corners, and I had plenty of times to do that out in the Senate. One guy came up to me and said, "You know, I I noticed you were connected with Husky Oil Company, your father." And I'd like to uh, assure you that I'm I'm in a business practice where I could give you a penny a gallon, a, a penny a barrel. Wow. If you can help me do this. I said, I said for what? <laughs> <laughs> well, he said, a penny a barrel is, is I said, you know, I, you know, well, there's, there's so many temptations. And Kep and I never would take stock in a company we incorporated had a lot of opportunities and a lot of a lot of good things happened to the stocks that we left but kept said don't get into that don't ever get into that we can do the annual report and we can do this and do that and represent the corporation but we're not we're not and they were going to pay us in stock so there there's so many temptations uh, but uh, I guess the thing that, that uh, if you have integrity, nothing else matters. And if you don't have integrity, nothing else matters. Makes perfect and, sense. Uh, I never was indicted. Uh, uh, did get into trouble shooting mailboxes. But that's <laughs> another story. <laughs> Was on federal probation. I was going to say that's a federal crime. It is. I didn't know many how many how many minutes how many dollars per hole. <laughs> and then I got drunk and held a cough one night and ended up in jail. Oh no! I called Ann. I was going with her. I said, "You know, Ann." She said, "Where are you?" Like about two in the morning. I said, "It's I'm in jail. I need three hundred dollars bail." Oh wow! She said. Are you kidding? I said, I'm working my way through school. Her dad died when she was 16 over in Grable. Didn't have a pot of window to throw it out of. And uh, so I said, what about me? <laughs> she said, stay there. Ooh. <laughs> and it all the puke and shit in, in that jail that night. Guys vomiting. Oh. And I, thought, I said, woman she's got something she's got something to offer <laughs> like sanity was that here in cody laramie oh okay <laughs> college days yes it was yeah. and uh i i don't know if i if i could read that i, I think you have did you have a question what i told about the uh, oh there was another great one uh, 
which that was Kip and I tried a case, and people came over from uh, Jackson to see us. We did a lot of work in Jackson because the streets were named after the Sure. <laughs> Simpson, Millward, yep. Glenwood, Pearl, Virginia. Didn't realize it until just Going now, but that makes time. a lot of sense. And uh, so they came to us. The government had uh, condemned 5.81 acres of uh, on condemnation, which, you know, it's just setting the values. You, you can do it. So they came over and, and kept and I looked at it all and, and took views of it, you know, Spectacular views of it. Absolutely. Came fences and the Tetons in the background, way out there. And one gal who never had a, never had a, a, a skirt on in her whole life. She was all diffed up on her Levi's, you know. Bessie, she testified and, and it was before Kerr and a jury in the federal court. So we made a deal with them. Look, you've all, they were offered eight, 800 an acre for their condemnation. And we said, look, whatever we get over that, we'll take half of it. Okay. And if we and if we can't get that amount, we won't charge you anything. Well, shit, we went over there and and I we both tried the case and of course we not realized that one of the jurors was a babysitter of mine. <laughs> <laughs> that never hurts. She came up later and said, do you remember me? I said, I do. <laughs> never asked you. But anyway, to make a long story short, the jury came in with, I think it was 1800 bucks an acre. Very nice. I think it was. And it was called USA versus 5.8. And Kep and I drove home that night or that afternoon. And and didn't have the wisdom to realize that that from that instant of that 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 judgment, everything was eighteen hundred an acre gotcha. over in Jackson. I bet. And we should have jumped in right there, but we were too dull. But what they were tickled to death, and it set the tone because and, and kept destroyed the appraisers for for the government and. And then there was another wonderful story of the of the park because we represented the Hamilton stores, you know what they were. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the Hamilton stores had the ice concession in the park. Okay, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. And then the the uh, Yellowstone Park Company in Bozeman or there decided to intrude or get in. And there's really a lot of money can be made from water <laughs> was turned by a switch into ice. Indeed. At, at eight, or, you know, what is it, two bucks a bag. Or, and Kep and I won that one. And and, uh, and so they invited us up to the, to uh, one of the lodges. And Kep and I were just feeling so cocky and all the board of all of these people saved their ass and they made millions and they had a bottle of old Yellowstone whiskey in front of every plate. Well, Kep was never one to turn down. Uh, Man after my heart. In combat uh, 
I think they overran a castle in Germany somewhere, and he was in command. He was a second lieutenant. He said, "We're stalled here. There's a lot of counterattacking, but it was a it was a state with all this wine." They stayed there about five days. Oh boy, drinking these fine, joyous things. And uh, anyway, uh, uh, so we both got absolutely, and 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 we 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 were we we thought we were locked out of our car, which is how bad it was. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and so I, I we, we both slept, but the next day we never said anything. And the, the wives, we lived right down the street. They said, what's wrong with them? I said, they're sick. <laughs> sick as <laughs> Kip and I never did that again, that's for sure. But anyway. Those lessons stick. Huh? I said, those lessons stick. Oh, boy. But there was lots of successes and, and uh, some failures. The failures were very few, uh, at least in our minds. Uh, and, and we just, we, we practice law by the seat of the pants. Uh, I don't, I don't know how, I mean, I can't even read the code of the, 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 the requirements of, and I, and I, I tune in this guy, uh, Sean, uh, Sean, he's CLE. Oh, sure. The comedian. Sean Carter. Yes. <laughs> Fun guy. I talk with him and we tell stories and. He's going to be at the bar convention. Anyway, uh, we we're talking about you know the things we did, uh, and uh, there was a gal that was just a block away, and she said that someone she was babysitting, and somebody opened the door. It was in the fall, and uh, and raped her, and uh, so they put him in jail. And uh, and uh, and then uh, Spence represented him. Okay. And uh, against the Cody Enterprise and the, and the guy that wrote these, this guy crawled out from under a rock. Okay. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, on and on and on. And she came in one day with her parents. I think he was a Lutheran minister, and, and she said. And Kip and I sat there, and she said, "I made all that up." That's I, unbelievable. I made I made all that up. Even the even when the police came and the door was open, and she said, "I don't know why I didn't." She began to cry, and her parents were just stunned. And old Kip just reached over, called the judge, and he said, "Let the guy out right wow. now! Right now!" Wow. And the judge says, I'll do it right now. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's how we practice law. Things have changed. Because <laughs> she has admitted it is all fraudulent and made up. And anyway, Spence sued. Yeah, he, I he, bet he did. So, and there was one lawyer who's here today. He lives, he came back from Maine. He represented. Bert Fendrick, the owner of the Rustler, and and Dick said, "We got to get you out of the case." Uh, and he said, well, "Do you have any money?" He said, "I don't have any money. This thing runs by, by every week with the ads." 
well, could you get up 2,500 bucks? <laughs> he said, I could do that. So Dick went over to Spence and he said, Jerry, uh, my client, you know, is, uh, well, he's not judgment proof, but he's he's ha hanging by his, his nubs there. And would you, uh, would you accept 2,500 bucks to get him out of the case? He said, it'll pay my expense. Perfect. <laughs> but he went for the other guy and then he broke him, boy, I tell because it was, and uh, it was always fun with Jerry. Well, there now, it's just uh, Teton County, I had that and, uh, uh -huh. So when you look back on your life and your career, do you think of yourself more as a lawyer or as a politician? Oh, I, I just, I thought of myself as a guy who, whether I was on the floor of the Senate or in a courtroom or in my office, I always thought of myself in a cocky way as a guy you'd want on your side. I like that. I like that. And uh, that didn't mean I was going to ram my head into a wall uh, at, at something. I mean, I've turned down things that say, you, you, can, you can do that now. It's just made for you. And I thought, no, it isn't. There's something in there. Listen to your gut instead of your head. And uh, so I'd always listen to my gut. And uh, and uh, but uh, and then uh, you know do the right thing. It's not a simple. Uh, it's 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 rather simplistic. And uh, and uh, you know hatred corrodes the container it's carried in. That's a beautiful little phrase. Uh, and my father said, if you're damned, if you do and damned, if you don't, then do. I like, I like. <laughs> and so, or my great grandfather said, you know, just stay in the middle of the, stay in the middle of the road. Don't get in a rut to the left or the rut to the right. Just stay in the middle of the road and just keep plowing. So there's some of so much terrible bitterness with the left and the right and uh, and uh, anyway uh, uh, those are those are things you know those are things you put on the locker room door uh, and then you don't do anything with them sure uh, but uh, there was there's some great phrases that I learned and they, and they're ingrained. They're not something that that you pull off of the locker room. The best one was never let your face show how hard they're kicking your ass. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> and that was Warren uh, or uh, uh, Morton. No, no, he was in the Senate. Uh, I was raging one. I wasn't raging, but he said I was. He, he said, I think you're pissed off anyway. You look pissed off. And I was raising hell about something. And he said, but he said, Al, if you're going to do that, never let your face show how hard they're kicking my kicking your ass. That's damn good advice. And, and, and that's, that, that's, that's good stuff. So, uh, 
But no, I, I just never, I never thought of the transition. There, there have been awards and, and accolades and nice things that have happened uh, to me. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, at 90, uh, uh, you, uh, you just, uh, you have, you, 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 you're very content. Except you're an easy <laughs> when you get a little fracture in your pelvic. Right. <laughs> I said to somebody the other day, I fractured my pubic. And I said, no, it must be your pelvic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I forgot. I got that. But no, I, 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 I loved, I loved the work. I loved. If I didn't, I loved, I loved it. I, I, I cherished it. But I'd. Uh, I could, I could, uh, I had a great philosophy of life, uh, which is if, if an attack, an attack, uh, or if you, if you're attacked and you're horrible in, in politics or your privacy, an attack unanswered is an attack believed. Mm -hmm. And furthermore, Attack unanswered is an is attack agreed to, and the people who are telling you not to respond are the people who love you the most. Your wife, your brother, your mom, and your pop, your children, dad. Uh, no one's going to believe that. And I say, well, you're entitled to be called a fool, boo, asshole, as you know. That's all fair but never let them distort who you are. And when people would try to distort who I was, I tell you, um, I could give dry birth to a porcupine and I'd take them on. And I'd see them at a, I'd say, I'll bet you a hundred bucks I can stick it up your ass. <laughs> well, why are you saying that? I said, because of what you said about me, which is just a fake. And then I'd think back to my grandfather and I'd think, no, I don't want to go. Oh, that far, but <laughs> but I would. Uh, it's a and because what you realize is that you're at, you're at night and it's 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 your name being assailed and made fun of or distorted, not Anne or Pete or Mom or Pop, you know, and and you don't have to take that. And so it was quite amazing. I never lost an election. And one would say, boy, he ripped, he, he can bristle, doesn't he? I said, when, well, I mean, if I'm working on immigration, I'm calling a bigot. I don't have to listen to that shit. You can see the fire in your eyes. And, and if I'm working on veterans issues and I'm anti-veteran, I am a veteran. But why the hell a guy who served six months and never left Beetle Bailey doesn't even know a mortar to from either <laughs> end to get the same as a combat veteran? So I just go, yeah, here, how about this? I've done that before. R Rockefeller did that at a convention. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. In, in any way, uh, I've been called a rhino and I call them Republicans ignorantly needling others. <laughs> Uh, and uh, they get pissed off, uh, and uh, and then uh, my favorite phrase is uh, to people who write me 
if they have their name. I don't I, I don't answer an anonymous letter. I don't blame you. Is to say, dear sir, you need a pane of glass in your navel so you can see out during the day. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll say, I don't think that's worth you're just gonna bait them. I said, I know, but it makes me feel better. <laughs> Have pain a glass in your navel so you can see out during the day. Well, those are good things, but you have to have to be who you are, and you and who you are is uh, sacred. And uh, I learned other things that are very that are very vital. The minute I would compare myself to another lawyer. Or Spence, and I'd come home and say, and you know, sorry, did this, that. or whatever, someone I admired. You've already, you've already put yourself in second place. You have, by just comparing, you have given up your role as, as, as your own hero. If you're going to have a hero, don't this was given to me by James Earl Jones. He gave a wonderful talk one night at down in Cheyenne. He said, Why not be your own hero? I like that a lot. Because then you don't have to look out for somebody else and think, that's my hero. No. Be your own hero. And he's dealing with disadvantaged kids and uh, you know, some of those people down in Cheyenne do a beautiful job. Uh, with the young people, the, the courts, those those children's courts down there, wonderful friends. Anyway, uh, now, I, I, as I ramble on, if something else will come to. Did you ever have any desire to be a judge? No, not at all. No, 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 <laughs> because I, I I wasn't smart. <laughs> uh, I I, uh, I can't. Uh, I, I I can't really uh, I can look at a graph uh, and pretend that I know what it is. <laughs> this it's it's like reading a Greek newspaper. I I I am um, I, I and I can't sit and philosophize, you know, about the world and and my role in it before I croak. I don't spend any time on that, but no, I uh, and research is not my bag. I love I love history, and I love the uh, I love to read about history and you know and uh, Western history and our our lawyer friend over there in Buffalo does a good job, John. Uh, you know, oh yeah, uh, with this with the ten sleepers or. Anyway, uh, I, I read snippets. Uh, I, I might have maybe 12 or 15 books that I've made, maybe read two pages <laughs> or, or three and never gone back to in three years. And so uh, Newt Gingrich and I was the assistant leaders of the House and the Senate. And we'd meet once every couple of weeks and so Newt was a different, different breed. Uh, Pete brought in three books for me, and 
He said, I'd like you to read these three books, and when we meet a couple weeks from now, I'd like you to review them <clears throat> and talk about them. So he came in and he said, what, what about that, the, the books? I said, never touched them. <laughs> I said, because I really, I'm not into that yet. <laughs> I said, you know, what I'd like to know is how you feel not the guy that wrote the book. I like that. And I said that to Jack Kemp once. He was always talking about a book. I said, no, no, Jack. Where are you in the maelstrom of chaos and the ethos? Well, uh, by what this guy wrote, I said, forget what he wrote. You know. But uh, anyway, so Newt said, well, what, what do you do when you're not in your district? Well, I said, I go to the Frick, uh, or, or up in New York, or catch the shuttle, or or to the Folger Library. I was on the Folger Library Board. And, uh, you know, uh, go to the Smithsonian. I was a member of the Board of Regents of the Smithsonian. And so those, uh, and he'd say, well, you know, that sounds interesting. I said, it, it is. It, it's tremendously interesting and uh, and uh, we had a teacher in Cody High School named Winona Thompson Auditorium she taught us Shakespeare and uh, I always say to young people do you know any Shakespeare coming in having a sandwich I was just going to launch into my Shakespeare because we're not through, but Anne's heard them all. Uh, what, she is my world. When you're ready. Yep, we're coming. And so uh, she uh, she heard I was on the Folger Shakespeare Library Board Advisory, and she was in her 80s. And she would play records. There was an old World War II building down there where she had her teaching. And she would bring in Decca Records collection of Othello with Jose Farrar as Iago, uh, Paul Robeson as Othello, and Uta Hagen as Desdemona. And then she'd, and, and she'd play it in, in a darkened room and then Hamlet with Sir Livin, Sir Livin, Sir Livin, Livier. And uh, we even drove to Laramie to see a movie of Hamlet. Drove all the way down. And so she called me and she said, uh, I want to tell you, I, I heard you're on the library. And I want, I want in there. I want it. I want to be in the vault. Well, I said, Mrs. Thompson, I don't have the, she said, just knock. <laughs> you could get me through. You're using the same crap you used in my class. <laughs> right. So she she came with her sister, who had better sight, and I arranged everything. They had the clothes in the vault, and uh, I had the curator and the, the wizard, and uh, I had them all in the basement. Wonderful. And, uh, she said, I would like to see if you have Hollingshead's History of Scotland. She said, Mrs. Thompson, uh, there are only two copies of that. We have one. She said, may I, may I handle it? And she did. 
he said, this is where he lifted Macbeth. This was this was exactly where he where he took Macbeth. Oh well. Now, uh, uh, do you have folio sixteen? And <laughs> the guy said, "Yeah." Well, that's where they changed the line from Romeo to Juliet. After he he had published it, he said, "How do you know that?" She said, I, I know, and she just picked that place apart. And and they were stunned, you know. And so we left and took her to lunch. She said, Alan, if you'd done that before, you'd have better, had a better grade. <laughs> so I, I learned Shakespeare. Well, I've got two questions I'd like to ask, and then we can eat some lunch. The what? Two questions to ask, and then we could get some lunch. Yes, we're going to go in here. But I got two questions first. Oh yeah. So you wrote a popular book um, for the general public, and I was wondering how much of a challenge that was to transition from legal writing your whole career to writing a popular book. It was the worst thing I ever did. It, uh, they gave me a year, and they paid me fifty thousand bucks, and. Uh, then they sent it to someone to tighten the manuscript. I said, I thought you have editors to do that. So that cost 30,000 bucks. No. There wasn't much left after that. <laughs> and then they took me on a book, book tour and we thought we were staying at the, you know, the Today Show in LA, but they were deducting that. Oh no. So there was nothing, <laughs> nothing left. And, uh, but, uh, no, it was uh, it was uh, it was terrible. It ruined uh, weekends. It, it ruined holidays. Uh, it was it was part of doing graphs. Uh, what do you how do you assemble something into chapters? I hadn't had uh, Mary uh, May, uh, uh, Mary Kay Hill, whose 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 husband was the Supreme Court Chief Justice. Sure. She was on my staff for nine years. She was a great help, but you know, it was terrible. I, I never would do it. But then Don Hardy did a book, a biography on him called on me called uh, 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 Shooting from the Lip. Yep. I have a copy of it. There's several copies. I'm <laughs> sure you do. <laughs> anyway, so that, yes, uh, I, it was a tedious, un tedious and very unfruitful thing uh, and then but it, 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 it was it was good because some people who, who I loved in the journalism practice uh, in Washington and I was I was I was never crucified out there uh, one guy came up and said you know you son of a bitch uh, that uh, that book was harsh but he said about 70% of it was true. <laughs> I said, well, that's what I wanted. And Mark Shields died the other day. You wouldn't have known him. There was a quote from me years of with him. Wonderful, wonderful guy. But uh, I, I got in trouble with him. I just say the First Amendment belongs to me too. And that old business about buying big by the barrel, fuck you, I can't do that. Love it. I won't play that game. Well, then that's because the people who love you the most are speaking again. And you're not going to get into it with them. I said, I am. I'm going to take on the New York Times and 
tell them uh, you, know, you don't even know who I am. I like it. Well, I think that's a great place to to break. And thank you so much for your time. Oh yes, we're going to get up. Indeed. Get up.